Welcome to Credit Union Conversations Podcast with your host, Mark Ritter, a forward-thinking CEO who excels in helping credit unions, small businesses, and real estate investors succeed. Join Mark as he explores current trends, interviews industry experts, and get fresh insights on optimizing your operations and delivering the best possible services to credit union members. Hello, everybody out there in the credit union universe. Thank you for joining us today. This is Mark Ritter. I am your host. I'm also the CEO of MBFS and New Direction Lending for my day job. Uh, We are very proud to bring you credit union conversations uh, with our growing audience. We enjoy bringing this to you and, and hope you can tell some of your friends. Please subscribe to us on your favorite audio platform. Today is an interesting topic for us and an, in, and, and a guest who I really enjoy talking to. But it's a topic that sometimes will split the room uh, when, when we talk with the various credit unions. And today we're going to dig into the topic of faith-based lending. I've been in the credit union space for 20 years now and love dealing with faith-based organizations. I love nonprofits. I love dealing with different groups that that are just part of their uh, community. And other folks, not too much. It makes them pretty nervous. So today, we really uh, wanted to bring in an expert on this topic, educate uh, our listeners a little bit about it, and hopefully stimulate some conversation at your credit union. Joining us today is Darren Thompson of Ministry Partners. Darren, thank you for joining us. How you doing? Hey, Mark. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me on. All right. Uh, before we get started digging in, tell people a little bit about you. Give us your origin story and background and, uh, and what you're up to today. Sure. Sure. Well, it's great to be here. And uh, appreciate all you're doing for the credit union industry. I'm, I'm a lifelong credit union guy. Uh, started my career with corporate credit unions. And so I uh, had a lot of great years with a corporate credit union, but uh, did go through the corporate meltdown. So uh, experienced that and then got a job at a, a natural person credit union, America's Christian Credit Union in Southern California and began uh, leading their lending. And so a lot of that at the time uh, when I first started there was with faith-based church loans. And we've since expanded to do more business loans uh, and consumer, but but a large portion of the lending that we did there was was faith-based. And and that led me to ministry partners. So I've been with ministry partners for about six months now. And Ministry Partners does a lot of faith-based lending to churches and ministries, and so that's what we're doing here today. You know, we always do these uh, virtually. We're talking virtually today, uh, but I really wish, uh, with you being in Orange County, I probably should have took the flight and uh, killed a few days to do this interview in person. I probably would have enjoyed it uh, much, much more being there, uh, sitting in Orange County, so... We are having a beautiful day here. Yeah, it's uh, it's You're gorgeous weather. A so typical wish you were here. Orange County day. So that's right. That's right. So talk a little bit about ministry partners and, and some of the different buckets and services that that they provide uh, to to investors to the credit union community, and then we'll jump into talking a little bit about faith based lending. Sure. Well, Ministry Partners is a QSO, uh, similarly to MBFS, and 
we were started in 1992. And so we've been around a while. We have 11 owners. And there's really two primary businesses that that we operate. So uh, the first would be church lending and the way that we serve churches and ministries and Christian schools. And we do that nationwide. And then the second would be our subsidiary, Ministry Partners Securities. And through that, we offer investment advisory services. We offer cash management options uh, for churches, for ministries, for individuals to earn a little bit more on their excess cash reserves and and begin to develop investment plans. So um, those are really two sides of the house Uh, for our CUSO. We've got the church lending and then the investment side. Great, great. And and you said you were at America's Christian. Uh, I, I've done a lot of faith-based loans. You've done a uh, hundred times more than me. Uh, and, and, and so you have a little a comfort level. Now, many credit unions that I talk with get very nervous. Now, I, I have my theory on to why that is, but why do you see some lenders refer church loans to you and why do you think they get nervous? Well, that's a great question. And I come across that nervousness uh, just like you do. And especially for folks that have never been in a church loan transaction, uh, quite a bit of apprehension. And, and you know, rightfully so. Uh, churches are unique. The lending uh, is a bit unique. The underwriting can be unique. And so a few of the things that I think really make uh, lenders nervous about church loans are, are one, the collateral. You know, churches, uh, it's, it's a specialty property. Um, it's not like a standard multifamily office building or even a commercial center that can be you know, bought and sold fairly quickly and, and occupancy generally is not an issue. You know, with churches, it's different. Um, it's a bit harder to sell a church property if you need to, especially in a distress scenario. There's only so many buyers out there that want to buy a church property. And so that adds to the to the risk and the uniqueness of it. The other thing that I always hear is, is uh, scandal related. And what happens if the pastor goes off and, and does something stupid, you know, and the, and the church implodes? You know, there's always that risk. So I think, you know, if you're not experienced with churches and, and, and you have some anxiety about that, those are probably uh, two of the things that are in your, in your head. And, and rightfully so, because we've seen that, you know, there's um, all too often you hear of a pastor uh, having a moral failure or um, doing something that breaks up the church and it really causes damage. And if you're the lender, uh, certainly there's enhanced risk there. So I think those are the two primary things that I hear of as why people are nervous about church loans. I, I'm going to throw one in there, and I'm interested to hear your thoughts. I also think that it people look at church loans from the perspective of their relationship with a church and religious organization particularly when they were younger. You look at the church as an authority or behind and having a business relationship with this where you're talking and digging into the financials and questioning the church. 
sometimes makes people uncomfortable. Uh, you know, depending on what denomination you grew up with, you know, having those heart to heart and hard business conversations with your local church can make people uncomfortable depending on your personal background and relationship with the church. And sometimes people who are very religious are very apprehensive to have that conversation with an authority figure at a church. You know, I, you I think, think that's a really, I think that's a really good insight. Uh, you know, a lot of us, if, if you've grown up going to church, um, you really, you, you don't question or challenge the church all that often. You know, as a regular churchgoer, you don't sit in front of your pastor every week and challenge the assumptions they're making or the business model. It, it is a unique relationship, and I think that's a great insight that that our background, our our childhood, how we grew up, what our experience was with the church could potentially influence how we feel about making that organization alone. Yeah, absolutely. Now, now the one thing that I, I guess we do have to recognize is back in the Great Recession, there were churches that had troubles. Uh, and without a doubt, there were some churches that had troubles much like other businesses, but because they were a church, it was, mag I'll, I'll say, magnified a little bit more. But today's world, that I, I consider that long time ago, and in today's world, I don't see a lot of churches closing their doors with a foreclosure sign for the sheriff coming in. It, it's a relatively safe asset, and the numbers prove it out. So what, what do you see of the, the benefits of complementing your credit union or a credit union with faith-based loans versus that traditional, you mentioned, an apartment building? Yeah, great point. I, I think the other aspect um, going back to the Great Recession was church loans. There was a, a thinking out there that churches always paid and that a church would never default and clearly, that was that narrative was wrong. Uh, you know, you've been in the industry long enough to to see that narrative play out with other asset classes and other loan types as well. That oh, these you know th this loan type is bulletproof; it'll never default. Well, you know we, we've seen that be proven wrong. So that was some of the shock, I think, with the the amount um, of loss and default that some lenders experienced uh, with church loans. But you're right. Coming out of that, everybody learned a great deal, um, and you really have not seen the level of foreclosure, the level of default with church loans that we did during the Great Recession, uh, even through COVID. And we, you know, we can talk more about that. But um, COVID was a, was an interesting event for churches. But by and large, churches have done well uh, and survived COVID. So. So that takes us to your next question, and, and what's the value of that relationship? And, and I think, you know, as credit unions look to expand business lending, I would encourage you to explore what that might mean to include churches, you know, for your local credit union. I think having a relationship, a partnership with your local church provides you with a connection to the community. And churches often engage their lender as their financial partner. And that's really what we strive to be. Um, you know, it, it shows in our name, ministry partner. We want to be that partner and churches need that. You know, compared to a, 
to a traditional business loan where, you know, if you're financing a, a purchase of an apartment building, um, you know, you, your borrower doesn't really need help operating that. They don't need your advice necessarily, but churches do. You know, churches are in the business of uh, feeding the poor, helping the needy, and serving their community. And so on the business side of it, they often turn to the lender for advice and help. And you can be a valuable resource there. So I think I think the value of the relationship and, and the connection and the investment in your community is really important. And that's what credit unions are all about. Yeah, I, I see it as faith-based organizations can be that complete member that credit unions strive for. They, they don't keep $5 in an account and keep a loan like many real estate investors do. Or they, they're, they usually keep pretty good deposits on hand as well as that loan. And for the first time in many, many years, credit unions are looking for deposits. And faith-based organizations, nonprofits are a great source of deposits and that relationships. So, and yeah, no, I would you, I would support that because you know a lot of churches, their cash is is primarily operational, and so in terms of the benefits to a credit union, you know they often end up being very low cost of funds. But the opportunity to introduce the credit union um, to the members of that church, uh, that's another great opportunity. Uh, there's, there's a youth group there and parents there, and those kids are going to need cars one day, and you know, the individuals and the families need mortgages. So you know, serving the church is, is a tremendous opportunity, but the, the bigger picture is, is going that next level and serving the families that attend that church. So let's role play a little bit. Uh, you you get these calls. Probably have received hundreds, if not thousands, of these calls. I'm a pastor, and I say I want to build a church. I want to refinance. I want to expand. I want to renovate. But I need financing. What do you really look for in those conversations with a faith based organization? to say, this is pretty good. I, this, this, I have a pretty good feeling about pursuing this. And what are those red flags that you think of to say, hmm, I'm going to need to dig in a little bit further? Sure. Well, you know, Pastor Mark, if you're calling me, uh, you know, we're going to have a conversation about your church. I'm going to learn about the attendance and how many properties you may own or, or may want to purchase. I'm going to talk to you about the income and the expenses and the balance sheet and and do many of the things that you would do with a traditional business loan in terms of looking at uh, income, expenses, cash flow, all those things. The, the part where it begins to differentiate um, from a traditional business loan is when we start talking about your governance structure, what does your board look like? Uh, who are you, Pastor Mark, accountable to? You know, who has the authority to make transactions on property or investments? And who has the ability to hire and fire uh, at the church? One of the things that I think 
you know, every church lender learned coming out of the Great Recession is that church governance is a really big deal and it's important. Um, if you find a church where it seems like everything runs through the pastor or uh, the pastor is is so important that he won't even talk to you, you have to talk to other people, uh, or they don't let you in front of the board, those are big red flags. Um, some of the things that, that we've identified, and, and every lender is different, um, but we like to see an independent board. So when you ask the pastor who's on his board, you want those folks to be independent, whether it's from family, from staff, um, all those things. And so I think, I think those are a couple big things. Number one is the, is the governance. Um, but number two is, is really the cash flow and how they manage their, their business. You know, you want churches to have a little bit of cash reserves for that rainy day, um, you want them to recognize that you know spending uh, needs to to not exceed income, and and operate uh, like most of us do on our monthly budgets. You know that's how churches operate. So um, so those are some of the important things. So people would often ask me, "How's COVID impacting the portfolio? How's COVID impacting businesses?" Right. What's the impact of COVID? And my answer was typically, it depends who your governor is. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm you, in California. You, so you're in California. <laughs> you're in California. So let's not make this too political. I'm in Pennsylvania. That was somewhere in the middle. But if you lived in North Dakota, you had a different experience. Tell me about your experience and thoughts and what how it was working with churches through COVID and what you learned and what you saw. Yeah, that is a that's a great question. Uh, COVID was a challenging period uh, in many regards uh, for churches. Um, when you look at California, California is so big that um, it really depended upon which county you were in. And it was interesting to watch, you know, some counties handled it differently. LA County was, was very restrictive. Uh, but San Bernardino and, and even Riverside County were a little bit less restrictive. So you could literally have churches on either side of the street on different counties that were operating significantly different. So one of the things that, that we saw locally here was that, um, you know, if, if your local church was closed or you couldn't meet on campus, you know, families would drive to another church that may be 10 minutes in the other direction so that they could attend in person and, and their kids could go. Uh, it was a really interesting phenomenon to watch. But by and large, churches did pretty well. I would say that uh, COVID was a trend accelerator. So if the church was struggling, uh, not doing so well prior to COVID, uh, they probably didn't do well at all during COVID. But churches that were stable uh, to growing pre-COVID, they did pretty well throughout COVID. And of course, we had uh, PPP that was available to nonprofits and churches. So that, that was a huge benefit to many churches. 
Um, and then there were some other government programs that came out that really helped uh, bridge the gap uh, between any shutdowns. But, you know, it, it really made a push for churches to go digital. And, you know, there was a there was a mad scramble for um, online equipment and and making sure that you could stream your services and collect tithes and offerings online. So churches really scrambled to get those types of programs up and running quickly. That, yeah, I, I, I belong to a church here in suburban Philadelphia, and it would be described as large, successful church, uh, very vibrant, and they, they had an 8% drop uh, during COVID, but they also had a significantly less expenses, too. Um, right. They were able to offset that. And, and I think, like you said, if you were successful before and you were in a good area, you came out of it a little bit better great thing about churches is that they do have a high degree of discretionary expenses. And so, as you mentioned, Mark, you're spot on with COVID. Facility costs went down, um, you know, electricity bills, heating bills, all those things were, were reduced. Maybe they didn't need as much staffing or programming. So that is the nice thing about, about churches is that, um, you know, when times get tough, they have areas where they can can quickly reduce expenses and manage through any any difficult times. That's great. So let's talk a little bit about ministry partners and and, and how you work with credit unions and, and prospecting for loan clients. Here at MBFS, we work with close to 90 credit unions, and very few of them will actually be open to credit or to faith-based lending in churches. I wish it was more. We're working on that. But tell me a little bit about how Ministry Partners works with credit unions who who may have prospects for uh, church loans, but but maybe they, they just don't feel they have the expertise or the capacity or the knowledge, or it's just not in their credit box. Yeah, great question. There's a number of ways we do that. Um, you know, we have 11 owners, uh, two of those are faith-based. And so the other nine, uh, some some do participate in church loans and, and some don't. So it's kind of an interesting mix. If, if a credit union has an opportunity to serve a church, I think, you know, we can partner with them in, in, in a few ways. So Number one, they can provide the, the referral to us, and we can work with the church directly on the loan. Now, as a, as a CUSO, um, and the way we're set up, we don't offer banking services. So um, we love working with credit unions who want to take advantage of the banking opportunities that churches present, while we can facilitate the lending opportunity and the other thing that credit unions will often do is is tell us, hey, we don't know how to underwrite the church loan. We don't know how to service it, but you have the experience, you have the expertise. We'll just participate in the loan. And so that's another way that we serve our credit unions is we'll originate the church loan, we'll service it, uh, but they will be the participants. And so that way they can generate some interest income, but but not feel like they're lending outside their box too much and knowing that there's an experienced church lender that's dealing with the day-to-day. That, that's great. And I think you're, you're, we all have our, our different slices of expertise, and I think Ministry Partners just does 
a great job at working with with credit unions as a partner and as a service provider to the religious organizations in America. And it's a great mission-based organization that truly, truly is doing the Lord's work. So I, I really appreciate you you joining on, Darren. What we're going to do is we'll we'll put uh, the, some contact information in the show notes, and uh, and we'll get people to connect with you. And uh, hopefully, when they drive uh, and get those talk to those faith based organizations, they they they're more open to it. They can learn a little bit more about it. And, uh, and also look to work with ministry partners in, on a going forward basis. So I, I really appreciate you joining us today. Thank you. Hey, Mark, this has been great. I appreciate the opportunity to be here with you and talk about churches and faith-based lending. And, you know, at the end of the day, just, just like the organization that you run, we love supporting our credit unions and helping them thrive and, and bringing more members into the credit union industry, whether that's uh, business owners or churches or whoever it might be. So again, appreciate the opportunity and, and would love to partner with, with any credit union out there that's looking at uh, possibly a church loan. Great. So this is your host, Mark Ritter, the CEO of MBFS and New Direction Lending. Thank you for joining us today. And please subscribe on your favorite audio platform and tell a few of your credit union friends about the show so they can listen and uh, we help us spread the word. Thank you and have a great day and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the Credit Union Conversations podcast. Have a question? Visit markritter.com for more information.